Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. I'm the problem, it's me. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. This has to be perfect. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Honey, you missed the boat. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. High school is impossible. everyone and welcome to what fresh hell laughing in the face of motherhood this is margaret and this is amy and this week we're wondering do we rush kids too much i mean i definitely rush my kids in the morning when i'm like get your shoes on fools yes the bus is leaving although i am also the bus so it's a little hard this is also and also i am the bus yeah because i drive the kids to school i think the answer is yes this is one of our joke like 15 second long episodes like yes yes we do stop rushing our kids thanks for listening everybody and goodbye please subscribe yeah and it's micro and macro it's for the bus and learning to read and you know independence and that kind of thing so we're going to talk about this how it manifests why it's a problem And then what we can do to sort of chip away at it that doesn't involve living off the grid and unschooling, which I don't mean to denigrate as a choice. Just if you're not quite there yet, that you're going to, you know, quit your job so you can homeschool or unschool your kids. There's got to be a way. No, but it is a reader. I gasped because I will not be living off the grid or unschooling. Yeah, right. That's not for me. So I got this topic idea from uh, an Instagram story that kind of I just kept seeing in my feed because people were sharing it and resharing it. It's a family therapist named Mindful Madre. And so I'll put the link in the show notes. She's on Instagram and she was showing beautiful pictures of children playing in streams and throwing rocks, that kind of thing. And the text on it said, we are becoming less tolerant of the pace of childhood. In a million ways, we tell children, hurry up grow up, you are already behind. And I was like, ouch, yes. (laughs) Right in the solar plexus. (laughs) You were like, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. Yes. I was just thinking about this in relation to Taylor Swift, who I just quoted, because my daughter likes to sing 
And I was literally thinking to myself, my daughter's 11, like, I guess I should have gotten her guitar lessons already. Like, (laughs) I think Taylor Swift was like making albums by the time she was 13. Like, my kid doesn't even know how to play the guitar yet. And she thinks she's going to be Taylor Swift. It's like, honey, you missed the boat. And I have a 13 year old who's like, yeah, I'm kind of wanting to get into sports. And I keep thinking, right. Yeah, that ship seems to have sailed. Like, you do not... Like, if I threw a ball at you, it would hit you in the face. Like, you are too late to engage with the spherical objects at this point. This sort of ties back into the episode we did a couple of weeks ago on what's the right amount of push, the optimal push for our kids. So I'll link to that in the show notes, too, because I remember arguing in that episode, like, Taylor Swift's parent, I have no idea, was probably pretty pushy, was probably like, you've got talent, kid, taking her to, you know, go see music people and getting her guitar lessons and making her practice. And like that somebody like Taylor Swift, who has an exceptional gift and did it at a young age, probably had a parent who recognized that and did a lot of things to enhance that and that Taylor Swift needed to be pushed that way. And probably liked singing, you know, you watch American Idol, the auditions are like, I've been singing since I was three. I was always at the church at the fair. I mean, I do think that, you know, 99.9999999% of children do not become Taylor Swift. We could run that number longer. Right. And so it's also okay not to play an instrument, but I think that... I mean, I would say if I were to give five pieces of parenting advice that someone said, "Okay, it's your turn. You've got five minutes on national TV tonight at 8 p.m. You're going to give five pieces of parenting advice. I mean, I would have to think about it. I don't know what all five would be, but I know one of them would be calm down, slow down, let kids be young for longer. Like that to me is so important that like. I have a child who's struggling right now a little bit in school, friend stuff, not feeling, you know, like a popular person, not feeling beloved and, you know, not fitting in. And these points are not wrong. They're not wrong about their social status. And I just wish I could give them the perspective of it's totally fine not to be popular at your age. It's fine. You'll find your people later on be video, you know, but it's very difficult. And one of the reasons that my child is not popular is because they are kind of behind the times. At a different pace. You know, they're not looking to sneak a beer. They're not, you know, they're still into more childish movies and TV. They're not allowed to watch some things that other kids are allowed to watch. And so it is harder socially for them because they are in every way more immature than their class classmates. But I'm willing for them to take that hit because I feel strongly that nothing good comes from being the fastest moving kid in class. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, so peer pressure is one way in which we move our kids too fast. But I also think it's societal. So like the example that I came up with thinking about this episode is that when I was having my oldest child apply to nursery school in New York City, which is like a ridiculously something you have to do, by the way, you know, risible thing. I wrote about it in my book and like, you know, it's a ridiculous thing, but you kind of have to do it for daycare or nursery school, no matter where you are. You got to hurry up and get your kid toilet. Can we just click on the word risible for a moment? Amy Wilson, SAT word of the day. It's ridiculous. It's laughable. Mr. Dictionary says (laughs) laughable. It's laughable. You have to get your kid 
potty trained, you know, by the first day of school or else they can't be in nursery. They have to go back to daycare or whatever. These things that we rush them towards. But the example I was thinking of, which I think is probably a particularly kind of risible in New York City, but crazy everywhere, was that my barely two-year-old who still used a pacifier often. I had to sort of, you know, bribe that away from him before we walked into these interviews for these nursery schools where I had to stand on the side of the classroom and they were judging, you know, they're with a clipboard, smiling, but judging how successfully... Smiling in a rather judging way. Right. Trying to hide their judgmentalness. But they were watching the kids to see how well they separated from the parent who had brought them mm, at two. My kid would have right? flunked that, yeah how well they shared toys at two, right? And my kid, one memorable interview slash play date, somebody had a truck he wanted and he tried to pull out of his, and he he went to take like a bite out of the kid's arm and I intervened. I left the wall. You're supposed to say along the wall on this, but my kid was about to bite somebody else. So I had to intervene and then like, okay, we're not going to this uh, preschool for 10 reasons, right? But, you know, looking back on that, like two-year-olds can't share. Two-year-olds Better be pretty attached to their parent. That's developmentally appropriate, right? And will lead to a a happy, healthy child. Just all the things we're trying to get these two-year-olds to do for 20 minutes of an interview is to pretend that they're way beyond what they are developmentally. That's crazy. Yes. And then I think it continues, right? I mean, this is why we have like... You learn to read in kindergarten these days, and in pre-K, you better be writing your name, and in nursery, you better be able to recognize your name, and just we're bringing it all further down, and sort of, you know, for what? But it's not just you and me deciding we're going to make our kid be Taylor Swift. It's sort of everything around them, societally and peer pressure-wise as well. For sure. And now that I have middle schoolers and high schoolers, I mean, it sounds kind of facile. When I work with them on their homework, I really realize that I do not know anything they are learning in school. I don't know anything. I don't know the rivers of the Indus River Valley. I don't know the Silk Road and what was being traded on it in, you know, the dynasty era of China. I definitely don't know what 3X over 2Y <laughs> equals. I don't know... Any of these things, none of them. And I am a very, very functional adult. And I do not say this to say like school is actually useless. And but because there is a gift in learning to think and learning to solve problems. And I don't think there's any one to one equivalency of like, if you don't know the rivers of the Indus River Valley, you are doomed. But I also don't think I think it's wonderful to learn these things because when you're exposed to lots of knowledge, you become curious and curiosity is a gift. I get it all, but it does strike me sometimes as like scary, overwhelming path to nowhere. Some of this stuff in terms of like, right, you have to be the best. But then I do, I mean, check in with me in four years and like, I do worry like, wait, I don't, my kids are going to, get into good schools because they don't play any sports and they don't do a lot of extracurricular activities and they're also not great students. (laughs) Like, I don't exactly know where we go from here, but I know I'm not fighting the fight. Well, there's this idea that like it's going to be easier later, right? You need to do it now. I mean, so I have kids on the other end, right? I have a 20-year-old and an 18-year-old and uh, where they went to high school, like high school's hard these days and not just in New York City, right? High school is impossible. These kids are killing themselves and they're taking five, six APs. And the good news is once they get to college, if your kid is currently in high school right now, killing herself and you're listening, the good news is when they get to college, they're going to be super prepared. 
But like, who says that's good, right? Like I got to college and I really was kind of not ready and I had a scramble and I was fine, but I had a tough freshman year. And my kid relatively sailed through freshman year because high school was an endless grind of work. But is that better? It's not better. Why is that better? That high school was hard so college can be easy. You know, why are we making first grade hard so third grade can be easy? Why are we trying to get the hard work out of the way at younger ages? I'm not sure why we were sold that bill of goods, right? Or what you're saying, like 3X over 2Y, it's not just that it's hard material, it's that your kids are learning it at a younger age. Like I see my kids learning much more sophisticated material as middle school and high school students than I did when I was their age. And it is good, but it's also like, whoa, like why trigonometry in ninth grade? Your brain might not really be ready to handle that yet. Yeah. And I know a young person who is currently taking the medical school boards. And, you know, from talking to these kids, it's all stuff you can Google now. You know, I mean, you don't actually need to know like this pharynx vein (laughs) is actually connected to like. By the way, not a doctor. Don't take this medical advice. Pharynx vein. (laughs) But you know that some of it is so far disconnected from anything you ever need to know as a doctor. And there have been a lot of things written and stuff about how we test people to be lawyers bears almost no relationship to what it's like to be a lawyer. That one of the big things is um, retention of facts in a fast time. So that's the LSAT. Like, can you... call this information and regurgitate it on this test quickly. And when they look at what lawyers do, it looks nothing like that. They research. It's the ability to find information and there's no time limit on it. So, you know, the disconnect between how we train people and what we test, what we value. And my my sister-in-law who runs a school says this all the time and I, I it's become a touchstone for me. I have one child specifically who really struggles with transitions, has since that was on his two-year-old, that was on their two-year-old paperwork, and it's still true. Yep. I identify with this. Yep. And my sister-in-law was saying, in what world do you, Amy Wilson, wake up in the morning and it's like, Amy, it's time to do your art. Here's 45 minutes for art. Oh, 37 minutes. We got to put stuff away. I pull that out of your head. Take your paper away. Right. Okay. Next up, Amy archery get out your bow and arrow we're doing archery it's like okay put that amy what are you doing put that bow and arrow away next up history class now math like that is a way that exactly zero adults function during their day and the fact that it's hard for my young person to do is not necessarily an indictment that they are not a functional human being it's probably just an indication that That's not how they best function. And that's why if you're a homeschooling parent listening right now, you're probably nodding your head like exactly. And that's why your kid can be educated in an environment where they do archery for three hours if that's really what they want. And they chase their natural curiosity to its natural end. And then they choose something else like I get it. I get that that could be a better choice, that there might be ways that we can, like for the transitions thing, I have a kid who has always struggled with transitions. And so it's just been a a touchstone between my husband and me, like fewer transitions, right? Like bring the cleats to school pickups. You don't have to stop home. And just anytime you can avoid going home, stopping home, doing this, doing this extra thing and having fewer places to go and fewer transitions throughout our lives has has made that easier because we don't have to rush our kid. Okay, but we know probably we're not moving to homeschooling, the two of us. So we need to find some different solutions. We'll be right back. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. 
Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, Father's Day is on its way. It is the most difficult gift-giving day of the year. Amy heard. I mean, (laughs) what do you get a guy who has no idea what he wants? You give him what he needs, a hat for all the outdoor activities he has planned for the summer that will probably be a total upgrade to what he's wearing now. If you need a gift for the dads in your life, check out Melon Premium Headwear. Melon hats last five times longer than any other hat out there. They are super durable, comfy, even antimicrobial. Unlike most hats, they don't hold on to sweat stains or odors, and they are, that magic word, washable. And they look really sharp. Melon hats have true craftsmanship and details that make them look really slick and fashionable. My husband wears a hat all summer and I can tell he's going to be wearing the melon I got him on the regular. Let me tell you, it is a big upgrade. Melon has lots of styles and sizes to choose from or give the dad in your life a gift card for him to choose his own hat. There's even a fit quiz on the website for helping guys determine the style that would suit them best and what size they should get. Go to M-E-L I-N.com and use the code FRESH at checkout for 30% off your order. If you're trying to figure out a Father's Day gift, trust us, this is exactly what they want. Go to M-E-L-I-N.com and use code FRESH at checkout for 30% off. Melon rarely offers discounts, so don't miss this opportunity. So for at least two years now, I have been mentioning how I'm working on a book, you know, just working it into our conversations, real casual. (laughs) Let me tell you, behind the scenes, nothing casual about it. Amy has been like, ah, I have to finish this book. When am I ever going to finish this book? I have finished the book. It's really happening. And Happy to Help is now available for pre-sale. It's coming out January 2025, but you can pre-order a copy now on Bookshop or Amazon or wherever you shop for books. I am one of the very lucky few who has gotten to read Happy to Help already. And I have to say, it's a phenomenal book. Even if it was not written by my beloved work wife, Amy Wilson, (laughs) I would tell you to go get and read this book. I have told so many people I know, just wait in conversation it comes up and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's just like something from Amy's book. Wait until you read Amy's book. And the wait is almost over, people. Soon you will all be able to read Amy's book. I cannot wait for everyone to read it. You will probably hear us mention Happy to Help just a few times in the coming months. (laughs) Just a few thousand times. But for right now, please consider supporting it by pre-ordering a copy. Friends, I'm going to tell you, pre-order, you're like, I'll just get it when it comes out. Really helps a book sales if people pre-order it. So do us a solid Go today and pre-order a copy of Happy to Help by our own Amy Wilson. You just go to wetfreshhelppodcast.com and click the link in the sidebar, or you can search Happy to Help wherever you buy books. Thank you. So Laura Markham, she's a psychologist. She wrote an article in Psychology Today called 11 Reasons to Stop Rushing Through Life. I'll put the link in the show notes. And it is mostly geared towards 
parenting. Although I do want to say like part of the reason we're rushing our kids is because we're in a rush, right? Like put your shoes on because I have a meeting in 10 minutes and that's okay. I mean, it's, I wish it weren't true, but it is. We live in a rushed world. But she goes through some of the reasons that this sort of manifests in ways that are, of course, counterproductive. So the first one is that if you reinforce neural pathways of somebody's brain, particularly, say, a small child's developing brain, in a daily context of stress, if that's the way you live, it creates brains with tendencies towards anxiety. In other words, if you're in a constantly stressful environment, you're going to become somebody who's stressed all the time. I mean, it makes sense. Right. Yeah, does. She also said, and I thought this was very interesting, that stress hormones can make kids cranky. So the I mean, and we all know that this was an extremely apt turn of phrase. I thought she said, if we keep kids rushing around, right, then they don't have time to sort of breathe just like a grown up, right? Like, where am I? How am I feeling? They're rush, rush, rush. They don't have time to attend to their emotions. And then at night, Dr. Markham says, all of a sudden, your child may have a full emotional backpack for you. Does that sound familiar? Uh, It does. (laughs) Yeah. But I do want to push back a little bit and say that I want to remove the blame, the mom blaming from this in terms of like life is stressful. Like I have a kid who is extreme. I have several kids right now who are extremely stressed out by school and getting out the door by 745 as we must at my home is just inherently stressful and annoying. Three kids, We don't all eat the same thing. This one forgot is this. Uh Uh-oh, where are the shoes? There's almost no way to do our morning routine like Zen, you know, people floating from room to room and being like, and the next step, we will all find our laptops. Like, no, it's like, oh, my God, where's your laptop? You didn't plug it in. This one unplugged this one's laptop because that one needed the charge. I don't know. It's difficult. We can't set this up as a binary of like Zen mama or you're causing your child to be stressed for the rest of their life. No, absolutely. I mean, and part of the problem is, right, like if the bus comes at 645 in the morning, that's too early. Like that's too early for a school bus, but that's when it comes, right? Like, what are you going to like run for school board? Like there are things you can control and things you can't that your kids have to be out the door earlier than they naturally want to be is like a societal issue. My daughter's high school actually starts. They don't have to be in their seats until 9 a.m., which is when I started. I don't know when you had to be in your seat. I had to be in my seat at 9 a.m. like 100 bajillion years ago. I don't even remember, Amy. It's so long ago. You know, they've gone this long way around back to that. But this school is making a huge parent-facing statement of like, these are the circadian rhythms of teenagers. This is what's right. We're going to stand in the gap and do what's right for teenagers. I mean, nice work if you can get it. I didn't pick this high school for this reason. Just lucky her. But you're right to be like, oh, I need to be zen. I can't. That this rushing stuff is sort of some degree of it is impossible. But because it's impossible to get rid of all of it, I think you do have to figure out ways you can get rid of some of it. Yeah. And I do think, I mean, I think it's kind of, for me, an example is traveling. Someone gave me this advice and I think it just, it goes to all of these things. We're going to go to Disney World, right? We're going to spend our life's fortune. We have been saving since the children were born and this is our trip to Disney World. And therefore, my instinct is to say, this must be the world's most perfect trip to Disney World and which we do all of the Disney World things and that my vision of what makes Disney World perfect is the right one. And therefore, I am going to shove us both 
handed through this experience. Right. Through the death march of 18 rides today. Yes. Through the joyless death march of we're doing it all. And that there is some ability to say, where are my expectations leading us into a feeling? I have a very, very busy life. I do the podcast, which is to some degree accidentally become kind of a full-time job in business that you and I run. Yep, kind of, yes. Kind of, which is great. Like, thank you, wonderful. Before I ever started that, I had a fairly busy teaching career that takes up a great amount of my bandwidth. I have three kids. I have a family. I travel to see. My plate is very, very full. But I know for myself that when... I find myself answering, how are you, with the answer, busy, I need to check in. I don't want to go through my life being busy. That is not appealing to me. Mm -hmm. Naturally, I am at a season of my life where I could do 80 hours of work every week without any problem. I have to be more judicious about what I say yes and no to. I have to disappoint myself and other people sometimes about what, because I know I don't want to be busy as my number one life descriptor. And similarly, I think for my kids, and I've said often, I think especially since the pandemic, we have over-adjusted. I had a kid who had to fill out for, I don't know, science or something, home skills, like a day tracker, like our friend Laura Vanderkamp, like write down what you do every... And I looked at it and it was truly, it was like sleep, 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 screen, 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 lunch, screen, run to the store. I was like, wow, this is not good. Like, this is not a portrait of a life either. So he needs a little more busy. It's not necessarily busy, but because that was one of the questions I wanted to sort of research when I did this episode, like let kids go slow, let kids go at their own pace. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm assuming that no screens must like play into this somewhere. Like we can let kids relax and play as much switch as they want to, but that probably isn't solving this problem. And what we're supposed to help kids recreate, which again, is easier when they're three and they'll play with the Tupperware and the kitchen sink, right? But it's handiwork. And it's struggle. And it's like, let me figure out why this, you know, round peg won't fit in this square hole and let me hammer at it for a while without going over and interrupting them and fixing them or redirecting them, letting kids, little children figure it out. And then once kids get older, it is helping them figure out like my kid right now has more time on his hands because of reasons. It doesn't matter why, but he has several more hours in the week than he, he did. And he played switch for a while and he's gotten like so bored that he's gone back to the piano and he's now figuring out scales and he's saying to me give me any key and I'll play the scale for it and that is right like how can I make that more front and center how can I keep his life slowed down enough so that the piano will call to him as opposed to like I have three hours of homework a night and then I just have to numb myself with switch until it's time for bed. It's the off-screen stuff that you have to find for them, but it means slowing down to make room for it. And I do think that it's worth acknowledging that that balance is really, really hard. I've talked before about a kid of mine who spent a significant part of one summer figuring out how to do a backflip. He just got this, you know, little, they're called air mats or something, and it has a little bit of spring in it. And he was into gymnastics at the time, and he just would work on it a couple of hours a day. And I thought, well, this is the book version, right? This is what we want. 
it's unstructured time. He set himself a task. He's figuring out a difficult thing to do. You know, his siblings are kind of invested. They come out and help or watch or cheer or whatever. But that is not naturally occurring in the way that sometimes the books make it seem like that kid is now struggling with the thing of, oh, if I'm not careful, he's on the switch six hours a day. I will say he is playing with friends and they are collaborating. I'm not saying it's great, but it's not just video game play. It is a social thing. It's also, you know, seasonal here when it's cold and dark and stuff. It's a lot easier to fall into that. I do think they're more likely to jump on bikes and meet up with each other when it's not 40 degrees and raining. But I do think the enemy of taking away the busy is having it just become... All right, I played six and a half hours of Roblox today, and I don't feel good about that. It's not, and that sneaks in pretty quickly for us. So there's a parenting expert named Kim John Payne, and he runs a parenting site called Simplicity Parenting. And I thought this was very interesting talking about boredom and how we have to let kids be bored, which is definitely something we've talked about on sort of a touchstone. But he said something that had never occurred to me before that. We need to let our kids be bored, which means like time without screens. And he said, and when that happens, if you have more than one child, separate them. Because if you don't separate them when they're bored, then they will just take their boredom out on each other. I'm like, oh, right. Exactly. Like, I'll poke you, right? Like sitting in the back seat. Like, I know it would be interesting if I got you to cry. So so when we want to like, quote unquote, let our kids be bored, he gave the excellent advice. Like, you've got to separate them because it's when you separate them that they are going to start to wonder, how far can I stretch this rubber band until it snaps, right? Uh, Can I play every scale on the piano? Like they got to really ramble to get to those places. I will say it is, screens play such a huge role in this because we used to go to my grandma's house. This was our summer. We went to my grandma's house. That was the summer. Now she lived in Milford, Connecticut. It was by the water. We could swim. There was a beach. You could go. I mean, we were, we could ride bikes. There was lots of stuff to do, but we just were at my grandma's house. There was a room upstairs that was like the front porch, they called it. It was like a screened in porch, but on the second floor. And we would be there. We would swim all day and then we would come home and we would put on plays and we would, I was thinking of all these board games. We would spend hours put on so many plays yep game of life putting on plays and we would play board games for hours and hours we have a huge thing of board games i don't think my kids have ever played a board game if i wasn't playing it with them they don't spontaneously play board games with each other and maybe that's just my poor parenting but i do think that the lure of the screen does get in the way here and maybe it's a little bit more that i need to start saying like This is a screen-free day. Now figure it out. Because I think that for us, I think of those, we would be at the beach for eight weeks. I mean, you get bored of, but we would invent stupid games and jump off the dock in this way. Okay, now we're going to have a jumping off the dock contest. Okay, now we're going to this. There's probably a lot of mom, watch me, mom, watch me, mom, 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 watch me, right? My parents were not there. My parents were at home. I mean, they didn't, they were not sitting out on the beach with us. They, They sent us by ourselves, you know? And there was a jetty, a long jetty with all these rocks. And we, all the kids who were there all the time, we could run to the end of the jetty in like two minutes. And if a kid came who didn't know the jetty, like they would have to, you know, they were walking. And it's like, no, you step on that one, you skip the next one, you jump here, that one's flat, then you can get enough 
just like knowing the nature in our bones and stuff. And I do wish my kids had more of that. And I think it's because I let them do too many screens, Amy. I stink. (laughs) All right. Give me some more advice when we come back. Yeah. Let's take a break. Hey there. I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. And now, the people you will meet at your kids' school play. From the What Fresh Out podcast. The Mama Rose. She's been to every rehearsal. She's standing on the side. She's mouthing all the words. She might be praying that the lead breaks her ankle so her kid gets a shot. The PR manager. Her kid is a solo and you're going to see it on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Reddit, and YouTube. If you run into her in the school parking lot, you're going to watch it again. The crew dad. He's busted out his steel toe boots and he's not here to mess around. Now let's grab a two by four and start making this doorway, folks. No one is hammering a thumb on his watch. The, oh my God, was that today, parent? Arrived just before intermission. <laughs> Can't find their ticket. The paparazzi. There's like a hundred of them. They don't watch the show. They tape the show on gigantic iPads from like 2012. They sit up front so that you can watch your kid's show on their iPad screens. This has been the people you will meet at your kid's school play. From the What Fresh Out podcast. All right, so I had a Disney World thought before when you were talking about Disney World as being like, this has to be perfect. It has to be fun, yeah. I took my kids to, the first time I took them, I think they were like three and two, which is definitely a large undertaking. And I had this sort of like aha moment. We went to Epcot 
And, you know, Epcot's sort of like the lesser of the parks, I would say, if I'm speaking honestly. There's not quite as much exciting there to do. Just came from there. No offense. Epcot kind of stinks. Yeah. And we were inside the big mall, or I, don't, I think we were, and there was sort of like a Lego display that we found it like on the way to find a bathroom. And all of a sudden, there just were some Legos on the table. Yes. And both of my kids fell to on these Legos like it was their, you know, timed assignment, right? And they were being judged for the rest of their lives on how they did these Legos. And we let them play for five minutes. We let them play for 10 minutes. We let them play for 20 minutes. And then we're like looking at each other like, are we seriously just going to, we came to Disney World to let these two kids stand here and play Legos. And yeah, we did. We let them play Legos until one of them looked up and was like, are we going to go on another ride? Like, sure. Are you ready? Let's go. And it was so hard for me to do. But something in me was like, they need this. They need this to reset from the standing in line part and the overstimulation part. And not to give myself too much of a backpat here, but that's like one thing I did right one time, one decision that I made not to rush my kids in a place where it was all too easy to do so because we had spent all this money and had all these things to do. And they just wanted to play with the same kind of Legos we had at home. Yep. And I think it's just like you got to seize those moments when you can get them that you're not going to have eight weeks with your cousins at the beach and no parents like that kind of Goonies summer doesn't really exist for most kids anymore. But you can create like 20 minutes of it. Yeah, I used the example when we were in Paris and we were on the Champs-Élysées heading for the Arc de Triomphe and it was like, this is Paris. And then there was a Stranger Things pop-up store and all the kids <laughs> so wanted to go. And I was team like, I'm not getting off the bus. I'm not going to the Stranger Things store. We're in Paris. And luckily, two of the people we were with said yes. And the kids loved it. I mean, they had the best time and they just remember it so fondly. And going to the McDonald's where the, you know, Big Mac is a, you know, très grand Mac or whatever it is, you know, <laughs> they remember things. And I think in general, I always think slower is better. There's so much time to figure out. And I think for my own kids, you know, starting with, I'm starting now to start holding back on like makeup and nails and Instagram. And I am kind of standing against things because I just think you have your whole life for these things. And I understand the excitement of starting, but wait a little while, you know? Slow down, you crazy child. You're so ambitious for a juvenile. We're going to link to the song Vienna Waits for You by <laughs> Billy Joel because I am team. It's okay to not be so fast, you know? It's okay to find passions, but also to not be on every team and squad and... Man, I mean, I will check in with you guys in a couple of years and find out how this worked out because I do worry that like, oh my God, it's going to be really hard for my kids to get into college because they don't have any activities. But I don't want to do it and I, I don't want to rush around. I don't want to do it. Well, what about a passion that is like just theirs and that they, they can do like, um, I don't know, like playing the piano or like doing backflips. Like these are things that you do yourself and you teach yourself to do. I'm thinking about when you were saying like kids can slow down and it's okay. I feel like it's an easier message and it's worthwhile. Like sometimes this is enough to let your kid know. I'm thinking of a certain child I had who liked American Girl dolls, loved them and 
loved them dearly and she was sick for a long time and they really helped her when she was sick. Like that's what she did instead of playing with friends. And then got to the point where it's like, I'm a little embarrassed. You know, I'm, my friends are coming over and I'm, I'm a little bit too old to have these out in my room, but I spent all my time creating these worlds. You know, she made them out of like, I'd go to Michael's and get her supplies and things and she didn't want to take them down. And I was like, don't, don't take them down. I was, I was on her side. Like, don't take them down. They're amazing. You can play downstairs or you can say, look what I made. Like, be proud of these. They need a little bit of encouragement sometimes to like, yeah, you still like American Girls or Pokemon and that's fine. But it's harder when you have a kid who's like, oh, that stuff's stupid. Like they've already crossed the other side. You can't like pull them back. But even then, can they, can they chase? Can you help them find something else? It's like they're naturally curious about and then let them be naturally curious about that and don't interrupt them and create the space for that. I think when you outlaw screens, you can. That's pivotal to this because I have a kid who would say no to everything. We were just down uh, visiting my dad in Florida. Let's go play pickleball. I don't want to do it. It won't be fun. Got out, loved it, played. And then right away, don't say I'm good and you're going to make me take lessons. Like He has a natural aversion to like being busy or participating in things. His best day is headset on nine of his friends and they're all exploring some computerized world and i realized that like there's room for that but if i let him have his way i have kids who would invent worlds take up art learn scales on the piano and i have kids who would not and so i think as always i struggle more with the push and the rush than i do with the you know because I also think curiosity fades as we get older. And even by middle school and high school, a kid who's like, I can make these two socks into puppets and I have like your imagination gets dulled. And so that it is more natural for maybe a 13, 14 year old to be like, I'm going to lay in my bed and scroll 80 million TikToks, which is what I would do, too. You know, I get it. Exactly. But I think you have to work a little harder to not say like, oh, my God, you won't get into Harvard if you're not doing these nine activities. But also it is fun to figure stuff out. It is fun to be good at stuff. It is fun to have mastery of stuff. But that stuff takes work. And you talk about it. It's flow that I have to do this for myself and I struggle to do it for my kids. My idea of like, I just need to relax. I need downtime. It's like, I actually feel better if I get out of a friend calls. Let's go for a walk. Like, oh, I was in the sunshine for half an hour. That really helped me. My instinct was, I deserve a day of just sitting and snacking and reading my book and doing absolutely nothing and scrolling TikTok. I actually feel better when I get out and play a little pickleball or I get out and take a walk and for my kids, I think I do have a bigger role than I sometimes take to not rush, but to push towards there's a world out there that we could be exploring together, you know, and people say sometimes I have people watch my kids and they're, like, they're so easy and it's like, well, they are very, very easy if you let them be in three <laughs> separate rooms watching screens like they are very easy. Right. The trick is to fight against that ease a little bit and say, let's be slightly more self-actualized than this. It's important. There was one tip I read on rushing that I thought was good just because we always like to have solutions. I thought this was small and I'm going to try to sort of, even with my big kids, sort of work this in, that you can have sort of small rituals that you are, again, upfront with your kids about like, oh, I feel so rushed all the time. Okay, before, you know, now that we're in the car, we're going to put on our seatbelts. <sighs> 
let's just take two deep breaths together and then we'll go to school and just take that moment to breathe. And just that sort of acknowledging to them like, oh, I feel really rushed sometimes, don't you? And I can stop and take a breath, can reset with your kid and can reset for you and just like help you remember that it's all going to be okay. And just because I think the rushing also has this sort of this undercurrent of something bad's going to happen if I don't rush more faster, right? And some of that is definitely put on us by society. And some of it we accept and we can just sort of say like, "Mm, but I can take a deep breath and not start the car for three more seconds and we'll be okay. And inserting that perspective, I think is really, really important. I mean, we tend to rush in the mornings and then it's like, what if we're late? And sometimes I say, it's fine. If we're late, I'll call. It's fine. You know, you and I are traveling this week and I have people watching the kids and are they going to get all three of them out the door at 745 to make the 752 bell? I'm not sure. I'm going to tell everybody. I'm going to write a note to the principals of the schools and say, dad and I are away this week. We have people helping us out. The kids may be late a couple of days. The perspective of it's okay. We don't, the rushing is not helpful to us. And so let's figure it out. Or there may be things where it's like, you actually can't be late for this. If you're late for the concert, you know, you're not, you don't get to play, whatever. Okay, let's work back and make a really good strategic plan to solve this problem. Right. So that you won't have to rush. Right. Get on the same side of the net as the problem so that we're saying like, let's figure out how to do this in the best possible way. And when we can give perspective to it, that's good too. So that we get away from the thing you were talking about of like, we learn every operation in stress so that stress becomes so intractable that we are always stressed. That to always say like, we can choose a way that is not as stressful. That's maybe the most important skill. You solved it. Take a deep breath with me. <laughs> I mean, no one will ever be stressed again. Thank goodness. It's so nice to know. <sighs> breathe in calm. Breathe out stress. Solved it. We solved it. We didn't talk about, but I thought about the whole time we were recording this, our uh, fresh take with Catherine May a couple of weeks back and her book called Enchantment. And it's all about like slowing down and like looking at leaves. And remember when you were a kid, everything was so fascinating. You can rediscover that. And, and I think that's another antidote to this. So listen to that episode if you haven't yet. As you like to say, that's available to you. And I like that. It's available to you. What's available to you, friends, is subscribing to What Fresh Hell Plus. Please do. You just go to whatfreshhell.supportingcast.fm and you can like in two taps, sign up where you already listen. You don't have to download new stuff. It's not super complicated. It's $3.99 a month, $39.99 a year. Here's what you get. Every episode of the show ever, ad-free, plus monthly bonus episodes. This month's bonus is about our jobbiest jobs. Oh, that's a fun one. That's a fun one. Yeah. (laughs) You can learn about Amy's um, CB handle, which is awesome. Yeah. What's a CB? Well, you're going to have to subscribe and find out. Listen and find out for yourselves, friends. Check that out. And with that, we will talk to you next time. Thanks so much for listening. So long.
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.